and my throat hurts and I'm tired. So I'm glad you're doing all of this. Also, daylight savings. Right. Yeah, that's super cool. I'm glad we still do that. You know, every year, every year, someone in Congress is like, we should stop doing this. And they bring a bill and then it just dies in committee because nothing can get done, even something that we all agree on. USA. USA. (laughs) Didn't this, I feel like this came up last year and actually got like the closest it's ever gotten to being passed as a law and still died in committee. Right. I believe you are correct. And I believe one of the reasons for that is one of its the biggest proponents of getting rid of it is Marco Rubio, of all people. That is a problem. And we, um, as a society, what's the word? Hate him. He is deeply unlikable. <laughs> like He's not George Santos unlikable, but, you know. No, I mean... Few are. I mean, if you're really, if we're looking for like apex unlikable, I think Ben Shapiro hits like the just every note on that. He's, well, apex. Yeah, I mean, he's practically retired the category. <laughs> but yeah, below that, you got Santos and, and Rubio. And I'm sure there's some other like weaselly faced assholes that everyone instinctively knows is just an awful garbage human being. Colonel Sanders, surprisingly. <laughs> you wouldn't Kidding. know it by looking Kidding. at him, but hmm. I, you're you're certain of this? It's the you bolo be, tie. It you is. Can, you can't be rude to the colonel. They'll show up. <laughs> They'll show up and show out. <laughs> oh, dude, edging in some dangerous territory here. I think only if you try to steal the spice mix. That's really the ultimate offense. Which, let's be serious, it's just paprika. Everybody knows it. And salt. A lot of salt. A lot, lot of salt. And then some salt on the salt. And a little more paprika. That's what makes it red and delicious. And we're sued. <sighs> well, it was bound to be bound to happen. And I think I hear a knocking upstairs, which it might be the colonel. So I'm going to talk very quietly. <laughs> I hope he goes away. <laughs> Good for nothing dog protecting me. Yeah. Hello, alleged human. And welcome to the Chaos Lever podcast. My name is Ned and I'm definitely not a robot. I put my fabric leg sleeves on one tube at a time. I can ambulate and masticate in parallel without overtaxing my central processing unit. Yes, indeed. If you ask me to engage one hand in a rotational motion while the other traverses a linear path, that is no problem. What could be more human? With me is Chris, who's also here. Hi. The thing with the hands is super easy. Everybody can do that. One would hope so. The only people that can't do that are like kindergartners. And probably like really, really old people. And really, really drunk people. All of those things have like something in common. They're all inebriated? (laughs) In some way, yes. (laughs) Kindergarten was different in New Jersey, okay? (laughs) (laughs) I heard someone describe kids as um, (laughs) drunk, angry little people. And I was like, well... You're not always wrong. Like They exhibit the same behaviors, except we think it's kind of cute when they do it. And with drunk people, it's definitely not. We just no, no, because they can break more things. That's true. <sighs> I'm having like visions of my early 20s and people who thought it was adorable how drunk they were. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was not. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Mm. For someone who was often the designated driver, I can tell you for a fact it was not. <laughs> And I don't like it that my car smells like it. 
Ooh. Ooh. Gross. Yeah. Mm. Anyway. <laughs> oh, so let's talk about some tech garbage, shall we? Sure. Are we all talking right. about tech garbage or tech majesty? Ooh. All right. Nice. Late on me. So I hinted at this last week, and originally I was just going to turn this into a lightning round article, but as I kept writing, I was like, hmm. <laughs> um, but no, I want to talk in a little bit more depth about the Asahi Linux project. Okay. Linux running on Apple's fancy new hardware. Delicious. Say it is so. Oh. Okay. So let's begin at the beginning with the primary goal of this project. Asahi sure. Linux principal objective is simply put, allow Linux to run on the Apple Silicon chips. So these are Apple's named uh, M1, M2, M3. Those are the three major brands. And then there's the Pro and the Max and I don't know, the the plus plus and the centurion and the elliptical, but the they're super all saying, you know, yeah. The big thing it. about them is that they are proprietary designs for Apple based on arm and not x86. Mm -hmm. Very, very different and thus completely incompatible with all of the Intel type stuff. Yeah. And they are probably as we go forward and bit more on what I saw in some of the releases this week, sooner rather than later, these M numbered chips are probably the only ones that we're going to see in consumer grade Apple products that are primarily compute. Now they do still sell x86 stuff at the moment, but they are becoming less and less. And most of the time it's in their crazy expensive computers. Right. That would be the one that looks like a giant base tube, right? Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, they got rid of that one. Now it's the cheese grater. That's the super expensive one with the $400 wheels. <laughs> yeah. So as we will see, um, these chips are in fact amazing. They are uh, unfortunately firmly planted inside of Apple's walled garden, along with a lot more changes to the hardware. Um, Asahi wants to democratize this awesome hardware, free it from the monopolistic tendencies of Tim Apple and let you run Linux instead of just OS X. Okay. And like I said, one of the main reasons for this is that the Apple Silicon chips rock. When they first came out, they were an absolute game changer immediately. They are faster, run way cooler and consume far less power that can, what, what could be considered an equivalent X86. Mm -hmm. Now, to be fair, it is really hard to run a like for like comparison because they're so dramatically different in design. Mm -hmm. And some of that stuff, I'm not really going to go into too much because it would get very quickly into hardware nerd territory. Um, but suffice it to say, the chips are so, so different. And here's a couple of key design decisions that mark them off from one another. Sure. So Apple's Silicon uses the ARM ISA aka instruction set architecture. This is newer and more efficient than what they use in x86. Um, borrowing from risk philosophies, Apple Silicon also uses instruction encodings that are quote, more compact and efficient than x86 instructions. Now that's pretty standard stuff for anything that's ARM. 
Right. Right. Next up, the way that they handle memory. Hmm. Apple redesigned the memory management unit. So everything they do is more efficient and more secure than what is in x86, arguably because the silicon designers had decades of prior art to fall back on. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't hurt. <laughs> it's amazing what you can do when you don't have to try to backport everything. Um, Apple Silicon also has a more complex cache hierarchy, meaning that it's got much more access to more near CPU data in various levels of cache, L1, L2, L3, than x86 does. And those two things together, just as a side point, completely redesign and reimagine uh, how memory management works on these chips. And one of the things that's weird about them is far more of the memory chips are always active. Okay. But they're always active. And the way that the, the only way I can describe it in, in a short period is effectively, it's a fantastic at swapping, but it doesn't just swap back to disk. It swaps into various levels of cache, which effectively means that you don't need as much RAM in your computer, which is also good because it's Apple. So it's expensive. <laughs> so is everything. Yeah. Um, but suffice it to say, this also means that the way that it handles it, again, is dramatically different. Um, and it's a similar story for the FPU, the floating point unit, um, which does, well, floating point calculations. <laughs> um, we've talked about floating point calculations and how they're more of an estimate than a lot of people think they are in certain ways on x86. Indeed, yeah. Um, Apple Silicon can do it better, more quickly and more accurately than x86 versions. Right. I think the, the key part of all of this is they were given, I won't say a blank slate, but they were given the opportunity to redesign so many aspects of the system based off of a newer chipset architecture. And so they right. took full advantage of that. I mean, just being handed the opportunity is not enough. They they put the engineers behind it to really imagine what if we didn't have to, to support x86 and these old ways, these legacy ways of doing things. Because if you look at the x86 instruction set, it is stuff that has to go back and support back to like the 8086 days when right. you know it was 16 bit 8 bit kind of operations and so the way that the instruction set was designed still has to backport to that or at least support that mode uh even the x64 mode that was developed uh with AMD still needs to support like older legacy ways of doing things and the fact that Apple had the opportunity to just go nope not going to do any of that <laughs> which begs the question why hasn't Samsung or Google or any of the other ARM competitors like Qualcomm really uh, stepped up in the same way that Apple has. And maybe you'll get to that later. I don't know. I think the main reason is they didn't have the wherewithal to, to think about doing it. I mean, this was a project that was years in development, mm -hmm. you know, in Skunk Works, super secret stuff that was going on. Designing a chip, even if you do start from scratch, is complicated work. Um, and the other thing, you know, to finish this point is it's not just the CPU that was dramatically different. The rest of the platform has changed a lot. The mm. way that they handle secure enclave is completely different. The way they handle the boot structure is completely different. They built in um, additional chips like neural processors, which aid in AI work. So you can conceivably do things, you know, with groupings of M type computers for AI based work without having to rely on thousands of GPUs. Oh, and they also completely redesigned the GPUs. <laughs> of course. Why wouldn't you? 
So it's crazy how different it's going to be. And one thing that Apple did while they were doing this is work on their operating system to make sure that the operating system supported it out of the box, completely perfectly, totally smooth, no problems at all. And that's the only operating system that they did that for. Right. It's OS X and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, and this has actually been something that's been going on with Apple over a period of years. Uh, you used to have a little bit more open opportunities to use other operating systems on this awesome hardware. How do we know this? There used to be a software that came with the operating system supplied by Apple called Bootcamp. Yep. And with Bootcamp, you could load Windows and boot directly onto it on your x86 Max. This was super cool, especially if you had to use Windows and you didn't feel like doing it through a virtual machine. Right. So you could easily click of a button, you do some dual booting. And then for the power users out there, a few simple tricks, you could reinstall another operating system on top of Windows. So instead of dual booting booting Windows and OS X, you could dual boot any operating system that supported x86, which in most cases, for the purposes of this conversation, Linux. Right. Which is what most people did. Mm -hmm. Um, Even back then, there were advantages to tricking Bootcamp into doing this. And the biggest one is Apple hardware is legitimately better than most PC competitors, even in the price range. Go ahead. I'll give everybody a minute to cry about it. It's true. I, for one, am still using an Apple laptop from 2015, and it is only now starting to show its age. Do you have a PC from 2015? I will stop you there. No, you don't. I mean, I do. It's my NAS, though. (laughs) That does nothing but serve up files through Plex. Right. Now, the problem is that Apple didn't like this anymore because I assume it took people away from the App Store. So they stopped utilizing Bootcamp after a certain level of their x86s. And as you can probably guess, based on the way I'm talking about it, uh, there's no Bootcamp for Apple Silicon. Nope. Um, And also... All of the new hotness that I just described, mm-hmm. there are no public documentation uh, available or drivers or open sourced anything. Right. Basically, they were like, here, this is amazing. You'll use it our way or the highway. That's been Apple's thing for a long, long time is just complete control and ver- and vertical integration of the entire stack, which was al- what that's what allowed them to make this shift from x86 to ARM processor, ARM-based processors, is they own the whole stack. So if they want to make that transition, developers and application owners have no choice but to make the transition with them. Right. It's not, I mean, I would say this is more dramatic, but they've done this before too. Yes. Apple used to run off power PCs. Mm-hmm. And they moved to x86 and there was all kinds of sturm and drang. And then everybody was like, wait a minute, this is way better. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't hard. That was also right around the transition from OS 9 to OS X, which right. I came in, I the last version of the Mac operating system I used uh, before I switched to Windows was OS 9. And it was such a dumpster fire that Windows NT 3.5 felt better. Right, which is, is a hell of a thing to say out loud. <laughs> I know, right? 
So yeah, that's so, where I was coming from. Uh, OS 10, I never jumped on board really, but I can tell you that it is, you know, far superior to Windows NT 3.5. Not that it's hard. <laughs> so when all of the Silicon stuff came out, everybody was salivating over it. Mm-hmm. And even Linus Torvalds himself said in 2020 that he thinks it's an amazing platform and he would love to use the hardware to run Linux, but that making it work is, quote, not going to be worth the trouble. <laughs> it is at this point that the Asahi, the Asahi program came together and some of the crazy ninja geniuses said, hold my beer. <laughs> right. And actually, ironically, they may have actually just said, hold my Asahi, because there's also a damn good Japanese beer called Asahi. Indeed. I had some of that yesterday, as a matter of fact. Good for you. So that's where they started. They were like, we liked it when we could run Linux on x86 hardware. And this hardware is super cool, awesome, great, double plus good. We want that to happen here. And they decided to do it. Wow. That's, yeah. Trying to reverse engineer it without any sort of open standards or documentation from Apple is um, a bit of a challenge. Correct. Now, Apple's official position thus far has been to say nothing and do nothing. Um, They have not sent out any cease and desists, but they also have not helped And I think that that is the way that they're trying to thread this needle. I think that they expect that even with the crazy success that Asahi has had, and we'll get to that in a minute, the vast majority of people that buy one of these is still going to run OS X. So why? 99.999% of people are just going to run Mac OS. Right. And to interfere with the project in any way would just be bad publicity that they don't need. Yeah. Um, And also, it is not clear that Asahi is doing anything illegal. So even if they wanted to make a stink, it was not an open and shut case. No. The legality of reverse engineering software is a, shall we say, complex issue. (laughs) Um, In the United States, the law is generally favorable to these types of efforts, as long as it's done for some type of a legitimate purpose, such as debugging or compatibility testing, and it is not done with stolen IP. Mm -hmm. So if they had former Apple people working on the project, that might be a problem. Right. Um, However, so far, like I said, Apple has been like, not interfering. Right. And the Asahi Linux project team has argued that what they're doing is legal because it's being done for a simple, legitimate purpose, run Linux on Apple Silicon, and does not infringe on any copyright of Apple's or on trade secrets. So Apple's not stopping them, but they're definitely not helping. Right. Uh, It would be nice if they had some documentation, I'm sure, but (laughs) nah. No. So not only has the Asahi team had to do this work in the dark and then make sure that it would work as seamlessly as OS X without being able to modify the Linux kernel itself. Because remember, modifying the Linux kernel requires approvals. Right. So while we have gotten to the point where there is some stuff in there, 
a lot of it is being done with clue G drivers. Fun. Um, all of this, making any of it work, is, and I quote, a complex task that requires a deep understanding of both platforms, aka Linux kernel and this completely amazing yet undocumented hardware. So um, how's that going? <laughs> well, after two solid years and contributions from some of the aforementioned crazy ninja geniuses in the open source programming world, it's actually going pretty great. Oh. Um, one of the programmers, the aptly named Asahi Lina, Ooh. the name is everywhere, wrote the world's first Rust Linux GPU kernel driver, which is way cooler and way harder than <laughs> saying it out loud makes it sound. Yeah. They have started working with a number of official Linux distributions and have been submitting patches to be ported into the official Linux kernel. A lot of them have been accepted because again, this is based on a known CPU style. So it's right. not just only ever going to be useful for the Apple M1 chip. Now, it is important to highlight that since what Apple sells is the entire platform, this is not a sort of thing that's going to work for any and all Silicon situations. Um, right now, they do have a list that you can look up. The supported hardware version matrix is stuff for the M1s and M2s. Uh, and there are something like 15 different variants <laughs> of the M1 and M2 when you come when you combine and mix things together for the different products, right? The way that it works on the Mac mini is different than the way that it works on a MacBook pro, for example. Um, so we're getting there. Uh, and like I said, they are getting support from major distributions. Most recently Fedora. Ooh, I've Who heard of might Fedora. Have heard of. Yeah. Um, so, the Asahi project is, in fact, a long-term project, and it's not just about Linux working on Apple Silicon. Its aim, its stated aim, is to bring the Linux kernel to Apple Silicon while ensuring such improvements are available to all similar hardware, aka there's going to be a lot to learn about ARM that developers can, can learn from and can be built into default Linux kernels. Right. So... As a side to this, the team is contributing to a ton of other open source projects, such as Mesa, which is the name for the larger graphics subsystem, which is a huge pain in the ass to figure out, <laughs> uh, and the Linux DRM subsystem, which is a necessary evil. Mm. Um, all the stuff around Secure Enclave and the booting in particular were some of the first hurdles they had to overcome. Um, but they did. And if you want to use it, you can now just run a fairly easy script. And I will get to that in a second. Um, the other thing that Asahi has started to do is help Apple understand what's going on <laughs> with their components. Just this past week, the Asahi team reported a bug that with, if you have any type of booting that is outside of the standard, you could leave your hardware into in a quote difficult to recover state <laughs> due to changes made with the uh, version 14s or Sonoma of OS X. 
And that does that means the problem exists whether you have Asahi Linux installed or not. Right, because it's happening at the bootloader stage before the operating system loads. Correct. So that's um, that's a oopsie. Yeah. As the kids say. Now, as someone who has dabbled in sideloading software and operating systems on hardware that was maybe not intended for it, you know, uh, back in the old days of the Android operating system, the open source version, I used to lay that down on all kinds of different devices. That was not without its perils, and you needed a deep knowledge of the technical inner workings of how you actually got connected in, you know, via some sort of serial connection to even get it in a state where it would accept another operating system. What's the status of Asahi? Is it as simple as like putting it on USB and plugging it in? Or am I still like buying specialized equipment and running some weird terminal on on some other Linux PC to do things? No, you do. You run everything from the computer itself. There are a few requirements that we can't get around, um, but the instructions are really, really easy. Okay. Um, they are available on the Asahi webpage. And one thing that's been cool is the instructions on how to install it have not changed over the past two years. Mm. So all you do is download a script and run it inside of OSX. Okay. Oh, the script will then kick off a couple of jobs. The biggest and most important one is it reformats a portion of the internal hard drive. Now, this is one thing that you can't get around. You can't do this via USB stick. So okay. you're going to have OSX installed, whether you like it or not. Gotcha. But you can make the two partitions whatever size you want them to be. Um, you will need a minimum of 53 gigabytes, but you can make it as much as large as you'd like. And then for any other partition, you can use USB. Okay. Um, there will still be required a, a little bit of, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Fiddling? It's called adventure. <laughs> yes. Um, so the official documentation uh, has a couple of really helpful things for figuring out what to do if things go wrong, such as, quote, if Wi-Fi doesn't work, try toggling it off and on again in the network <laughs> management menu, unquote. Oh, yeah. Um, so that's not great. Uh, there are other issues that are still works in progress, such as on the MacBooks, the built-in camera works, but only in vertical format with, quote, black bars on the sides. Hmm. This is the downside of Apple not helping. Right. A couple of other things that still don't work great, a bunch of multiple monitors up until very, very, very recently on the Mac minis in particular just didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, Thunderbolt obviously is a proprietary Apple technology, doesn't work. Um, stuff like that. When they signed the deal with Fedora, it was a big deal and it remains a big deal. What they were hoping for was a lot more engineers and support from the kernel side to make some of this stuff more and more smooth to the extent that what they call it is the Fedora remix. And okay. they were slated for an end of August announcement of a 1.0 release. Oh, that didn't that, happen. Okay. Now you can still do it. You can still run Fedora Remix and it's fine, but you just have to be aware all these weird problems are going to exist and it's still effectively beta software. Right. However, they also have a robust 
uh, Discord. They have a mailing list, and there is a lot of questions and answers directly from the crazy ninja geniuses themselves. So right. I think the delay is, it speaks to the dedication of the team. Um, on the discussion boards, they say over and over again how they want to do it right, and they will not rush something to market until they are satisfied, which I think is good, especially for a project of this nature. But it also talks to just how freaking hard this task is. Yeah, though, like you pointed out, they're learning a lot about how the system actually works in the background through this process and <laughs> oddly enough, helping Apple resolve some issues that Apple didn't even know about. Right. Um, you know, I had toyed with the idea of seeing what I could do to assist, but considering I had set a task for myself to have, ins have installed Asahi prior to this episode and have completely failed at even that, <laughs> um, I don't think I'm going to be on the dev team anytime soon. But, Not with that attitude. So that's the breakdown. I think the project is awesome. I'm glad it's happening. I am looking forward to seeing it get more and more done. And I definitely hope Apple decides to help. I don't think that they will. No. It's a shame because if they did, they could probably fix these bugs like in a couple of weeks. True. Not much of an incentive to do so, though. Nope. No. But... I totally, I'm, I'm definitely going to get around to installing it. Yeah, absolutely. You'll see. Uh-huh. Don't, I'm not going to follow up. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, thanks for listening or something. Uh, I guess you found it worthwhile enough if you made it all the way to the end. So congratulations to you, friends. You accomplished something today. Now you can sit on the couch, pre-order your Mac M3 Plus Max Ultra, and begin the application for your second home mortgage to pay for it. You've earned it. Uh, you can find out more about the show by visiting our LinkedIn page, just search Chaos Lever, or you can go to our website, chaoslever.cow, where you'll find show notes, blog posts, and general tomfoolery. We'll be back next week or later this week to see what fresh hell is upon us. Ta-ta for now. Right there. I just, I can't read words, Chris. That's what we, that's what have. we I don't know why you keep expecting that you're just going to start being able to. <laughs> oh, I guess I just, I hope against hope. And I'm constantly dashed against the cliffs of reality.